Have you ever had that moment where you took a second look? Strange lights in the sky, odd sounds in the dark, shadowy figures from the corner of your eye. You never know when you might encounter the unknown, lying in bed at home, out for a drive, or perhaps on a camping trip with friends. Hi, I'm Karen. And I'm her partner, Wayne. And we hope you'll let us take you through the dark and unfamiliar. Hello, hello, hello. Today, we're going to be talking about something that may have affected a lot of you or none of you. It depends on where you lived as a kid and maybe where you are today. Urban legends. Oh, that's actually a pretty awesome topic. Not that our other topics weren't awesome, but this one, yes, this speaks to me. Oh, why does it speak to you? Because I can never really recall any urban legends growing up, and that's why this one speaks to me. And my state was probably rife with them, as is everybody else's state. Yeah, when I started investigation into urban legends, it was pretty amazing to see that there are some attached to every state. And that's because when we're growing up, we all have that single-minded focus that anything weird is only happening by us. And you'll, you'll hear people talk about how Cincinnati, Ohio is one of the most haunted cities in America, which it may be. But if you ask anyone in any major city, they'll probably tell you the same thing. I do think some states can lay a claim to some extra weird shit, but I think overall, every state... Every city, every town, especially small towns, have a particularly wide and varied range of urban legends, otherwise known as, or should be known as, common folklore. Yeah, um, you can also term an urban legend a contemporary legend as well. Okay, fair point. Is that what you Uh, found in your research? Yeah, well, think about it. Contemporary legends, urban legends, they're comprising of stories that are from a friend of a friend. Right. And when we started talking about this topic, we both started, you know, kind of ruminating on the fact that where did the whole concept of an urban legend start from? And we both kind of agreed that when you look back, like really far back to the beginnings of, you know, civilization, when people clustered together and they were in caves or ever dwelling they found to survive in the wilderness of life, they would tell stories, and some of them were designed to be morality tales about human behavior, but a lot of them, and the primary focus of them, would have been to protect each other by saying, I went out into the dark, and I encountered this, and you don't want to encounter it because it's really dangerous. And I think that's at the heart of every single urban legend, folktale, that involves danger that's really at the root of it, is a way to send a message to other humans, hey, there are some really scary things in the world that you don't want to run into. Well, yeah, think about the way these tales are told to others, too. It's meant to evoke that feeling of disgust and fear, so that way you don't want to seek it out or go beyond what they're saying. Right. It could also be used as a way to control, which is why I think some urban legends get a little more press and free publicity than they probably warrant because somewhere at the heart of it is a way of controlling people's behaviors and keeping them from stepping outside of the borders. And you can look at movies, even if they are good movies, you can look at 
M. Night Shyamalan's second biggest movie and also probably one of his biggest failures, which was The Village. Taken overall, it's not thematically a bad movie. It's just it came off the heels of his tremendous success with The Sixth Sense, which was supernatural and dark and creepy. And even though The Village had overtones of that, at the end, and I'm going to spoil it because anyone who hasn't seen it by now, it's like, I don't know, 15, 20 years old. Um, it, you know, the ending is more about a morality lesson. This urban legend is created about a creature that lives in the woods that surrounds the village that will devour you if you attempt to go beyond the borders. And they created the village because they wanted to create a very safe place where nothing bad would ever happen because all the people who, you know, had built the village had come from the outside world where they had suffered tragedy and loss due to crime and other, um, you know, horrible events. So in the end, when the, the mystery is revealed, to those of us watching it, expecting some sort of supernatural ending, we were highly disappointed. At least I was. Um, That's because you want it to be supernatural. Of course I want it to be supernatural. But I did. The, but the whole thing about this is that... Well, what did you what? see The Village? The, the did, movie, yeah. The movie is like any urban legend. Yeah. It's meant for entertainment. Is it, though? Are well, all urban legends meant for a entertainment? A lot of urban legends were probably started out to be meant for entertainment. Like to, fireside stories. To just pass to, the night. Yeah, think okay, about it. Okay, yeah. I could, I could definitely see that. But I still think there's a really strong element in them meant to send a warning, send a message. Oh, set, no, you I know. don't disagree with that. That's, that's, that's what they concern is something that's mysterious or baffling, and it's a way to explain it. Right. Okay, a way to make sense of an, an, a world that doesn't make sense, essentially. That's right, exactly. Which people still do today. And this is another thing I think we should definitely talk about is there are urban legends that have existed for 100 years, 200 years, even longer. And then there are some that are actually being created within the last decade, within the last five years. Well, it's like you said, it's the wilderness of life that creates these yeah and i think though that it's interesting to think that we associate these kind of spookier folk tales to be relegated to a history of our of time when things were very misunderstood because you know we had gaslighting in our houses we didn't have modern technology yeah the fumes off gaslights that's probably what spawned <laughs> that's most probably what spawned it yeah definitely um, but Samantha, dear, do you see the ghost? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's what they blamed originally the Salem witch trials. They used to say it was the, the grain in the bread had made people hallucinate. Oh, so and it go had mad. fermented. And yeah, they had fermented and they were basically ingesting something that. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm no expert on brewing things, but I know yeah. it takes a little bit longer than, uh, you know. I think the I think the motivations for the Salem witch trials, all witch trials, come from a much nastier, darker place than someone ingesting what might have been a, a an early form of hallucinogenic. Yeah, again, I'm gonna agree with you. And you mentioned something else that has spawned its own urban legends around the execution sites in certain homes within Salem. Oh, okay. Oh, like Corey. Um, what's his name? Corey. Got Giles Corey, the one who was pressed to death in yes. Salem. Yes. 
urban legends like that come up from both. Well, what's the like urban legend? Did you did well, you think read about? about well, no, 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 no. I didn't read an urban legend, but I've heard of urban legends spawn from events like right. this. Well, so and you you know of one that you don't that you don't even know you know of until you told me about it. Which right one is now, that? The Corey Giles one. Yes, I don't know all the details about it, but um, essentially. Um, if you go to Salem, which we did uh, about, oh God, eight, nine years ago, it, it's very touristy, but it's a really cool place to visit from a historical perspective. And it's just a beautiful area, you know, up there to go to. So while we were there, there's a whole section of the town where they show you stones and dedications to the people who were sadly murdered. Also the reenactors that will give you history. Right, there are reenactors that walk around and they'll give you the history. And there's a a theater that you can go to where they have a running uh, reenactment play where they have a woman who's been accused of witchcraft and then they show you, you know, what the trial would have been like and the same people that are in the play walk around Salem. And so then they give you their bits of story and then they're hoping to kind of get you to come to the reenactment and pay for it, which we didn't want to because we were poor. <laughs> we had no. Like no money. No. It would have been cool to see, though. I would have liked to no, see it. No, we couldn't because it was in the evening and not because of the money. Oh, that's we right. Had, well, it we was because of money, but it's also because we had a little no, kid No, not with really. Us. It, it, I mean, the tickets weren't that expensive, but the whole consideration was, what do we do with our seven-year-old? That's right. And he would not have been able to handle that. Um, but there is, a, you know, Giles Corey, and if I remember correctly, and I don't have time to check it right now, but I believe the legend goes, so to speak, that um, he was pressed to death. One of the torture methods used by, as I like to call them, the Christian Inquisition, um, was that... When you were accused of a crime, they set you up um, of witchcraft, not a crime. They would set it up so there was no way for you to win. If you confessed to witchcraft, they were going to kill you. If uh, They would use a method that essentially would kill you to get you to confess. So either way, once you were accused, it was pretty much you know the end of your life. Yeah. And so they put weights on his chest, heavy stones, and they asked him to confess and he wouldn't confess because he, you know, wasn't a witch or warlock, however you want to refer to it. Most witches prefer just witch. But, um, you know, I know that in old-fashioned terms, people would assume a man was a warlock, but that's not true. So anyway, they kept putting stones on top of him and more stones. And, you know, I, I'm not sure if this is fact or, again, something that's been passed down as a sort of macabre joke, but supposedly... At the end, when he realized that nothing he did was going to save his life, they asked him one last time, and his answer was more, meaning put more stones on, because he wasn't going to give them the satisfaction. So, you know, supposedly the area where this happened is haunted today. And there is a hill outside of Salem that is known as, I want to say it's known as Hanging Hill, but that's probably wrong. But it's essentially one of the places where they hung a lot of the, um, you know, victims and uh, that, too, is supposedly strongly haunted. So, But we're getting off topic, uh, not in a bad way, but I really just kind of wanted to. There's so many things that we found on when we were exploring this topic, and we're definitely going to talk more about them um, down the road. But for now, we really wanted to talk about urban legends as a whole, um, why they're such a, an integral part of our societal development, but also talk a little bit about our own personal, you know, as Wayne said, he didn't grow up with 
urban legends in his forefront of his mind, but he did have one very large and hairy attached to his state, which is home state, which is Missouri. Um, so do you want to talk about that now or do you want to wait and talk a little bit more about urban Well, life? you already brought it up, so I might as well get into it. Uh, <laughs> that sounded so gracious, honey. Yeah, that was real gracious of me. I was like, okay, I thought you were going to do but No, anyways. no, I, we don't have to go but there But anyways, yet. Momo, the Missouri monster. So Momo wasn't really, as some would think, like uh, tr- primitive peoples would see, but he was first sighted in, like, 1972, which yeah. isn't primitive peoples, because that's what some urban legends try to lend back to it, to discount them, is that it was a primitive people's superstition. Right. No, these were people that, while it may not be the age of technology we live in, um, they were reasonable people. Yeah. You know? And basically, they're, basically, they saw something out there. They experienced something pretty they profound. They experienced something, and other people experienced it. So much experiencing it, so many experiencing it, that they formed a posse to hunt it at yeah. one point. I like the part where they deputized the Boy Scouts to go up on the hill. <laughs> like 13-year-olds giving them sticks and baseball bats and telling them, if you see something that looks strange, go out and beat it. Seriously. <laughs> But no, think about that. That is, that right there, someone saw something mysterious. Bad smell accompanied it. All these things that went into the creation of this urban legend that, you know, you have enough credible witnesses, but nothing is ever found. This is what it becomes. Well, yeah, I mean, I think when people see things like Momo which, by all the accounts, was a pretty terrifying, you know, large, seven feet tall, hairy, you know, had an acute bad smell. The temptation for modern-day armchair scientists is to say they misidentified a bear and they imagined it or they just they thought they saw something. And whenever someone does that, it completely sort of undermines and is insulting to the people who experienced something as like Momo by saying that they didn't know what they were looking at. And in some cases, it's true. Owls have been misidentified, you know, and other natural creatures have been misidentified. However, Wayne will tell you, growing up in Missouri, there are farming communities. These are people who live around the natural world in a much closer relationship than city dwellers. So to say to someone, because you know most of them were what, hunters, right? They went out, they hunted whatever, bear, I don't know, <laughs> you're looking at me weird. Just I don't know if they hunters. Hunters. So would So they're 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 in touch with their surroundings. Right. So the odds that they would misidentify a something bear. right is is ludicrous. It's really ludicrous. It, it, it's also like saying that you don't know the difference between a bagel and a, a slice biscuit. of bread. Yeah, yeah. I I just think that when we're talking about urban legends, so many of them come, not all, because some are whole cloth made up, but 
you know, so many of them are based off of people who had intense personal experiences, like Wayne said, where they saw something, they could not explain it, it did not fit within the realm of the world that they knew, and that caused a kind of chain reaction. Now, it, to be fair, there are definitely cases where, you know, mass hysteria may have contributed to people seeing things. But that's after the fact. And we're going to talk about mass hysteria in another episode because I get really ticked off about how it's used to explain away things that cannot possibly be the creation of mass hysteria because by definition, mass hysteria is something that people have to pass to each other. So random people on the other side of town experiencing something that is of the same nature is not mass hysteria. But Momo. Now... What else did you read about, like the cause of Momo to like to this day? Like it's obviously still it, it's it's unexplained. They really haven't found Momo or traces of Momo. I mean, maybe a footprint here and there, but yeah, I know there was a plaster cast made. Yeah, but in all honesty, what I what I really want to think, what I really think about is, I didn't know about this until I saw the documentary about yep. it. And it's so funny because as a kid, I used to run and play in woods in Missouri. And it's basically, would I have been much more adventurous if that veneer had just been ripped off and said, hey, there's a stinky creature out there that may may or may not harm you? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things I think we were comfortable doing as kids. But, you know, if we had known what was going on around us, would we have been as comfortable? I don't know. Kids are pretty stupid <laughs> in some ways. I mean, they really are. I think that the sounds stuff, fun. No, let's do that again. Yeah, let's do that again. Like, I think about, you know, walking along railroad tracks and other things that, you know, kids do when they're young without any concept that, you know, if a train comes along, it's going to mow them over. Um, I think what we both got from the Momo documentary was, like, to this day, people in that town are affected by it. And the we're not we agreed we weren't going to mention the name of the family that first saw it because they went through hell and back. I mean, their lives were destroyed because whatever they saw, it affected them powerfully, deeply, passionately, and they were not people, you know, who made up things. They were not people who had any sort of reputation for falsehoods. And the fact is, they stuck by their story. And to this day, even if you think about cases um, like the in Kentucky, the goblins, which were in hell Europe, by the way, um, the, the same thing. They were simple people who I'm not saying that just because you're a simple person, you're, you're never going to lie. You're never going to want to, you know, fabricate something, you know, for glory or whatever. But these people didn't need that or want that. And they're, the more they stuck to their story, the more people crucified them for it. So that's something that has to be considered at the heart of an urban legend is people's lives were changed and they'll never be back to the person they were. Like Wayne just said, would he be able to go back, you know, to his childhood self, give him this information and how would he absorb that and how would he look at the world around him? And that at the heart goes back to what we said about urban legends. They make you consider the world around you in a very different way. Yeah, they absolutely do. I mean... You can, you can think about all those places that you've talked about with all your friends. And how many times did you actually go there? Yeah. To that place that had a specific uh, 
shall we say, uh, fame or infamy. Or dark history attached or to Or history that was less than savory. Sure. I mean, did you go there? Well, if you were dumb, yeah, of course you did. Yeah. So, who, but who hasn't gone to one? Well, I think a million horror movies made about young kids, teenagers, and college age going to a stupid location <laughs> prove that people actually did it or wanted to do it. Um, I think we all grew up in our towns, at least most of us, with some sort of localized stories, because that's the other aspect of urban legends that I wanted to mention is... Urban legends can be broad. They can be these vast, you know, like Mothman or Momo, where they take on this supremely larger-than-life persona. But think about your your town. If you grew up in a small town, if someone grew up in New York City or Chicago or a large city, it's going to be a, maybe a lot different. But it might have been your neighborhood, you know? For me, it was a street that I walked down every day in my hometown, which is Metuchen, and it's two square miles. It's a tiny town. And I used to have to walk down this one street to get to elementary school. And there was this just nondescript house, you know, on the street. And I've thought about this for years, but I don't know who told me or how I learned about it. But at some point, I became aware that there was a story that a woman had been murdered in the house and her boyfriend had cut her up and put her body in the bathtub in the middle of summer, and the smell is what alerted the police. I have no idea if this is true. I went through papers. I looked up old you know, records in, in, in my town's history to see if I could find, because that's a pretty gruesome murder. You could imagine that it would have been a very significant event. Nothing. Zip. So where did it come from? Somebody told it to me, and I remember telling it to other people, and I remember talking about it with other kids in high school. So... What purpose did it serve? I don't know, maybe just to frighten, like Wayne said earlier, and he's right, you know, campfire stories, stories that we tell to maybe, I don't know, scare people, give them a history lesson, who knows? But I think it's very important that people remember that folklore is lore, and lore by its definition is not fact. So folklore tends to be factless, because sometimes when you try to dig deep into the origin, and find out where did this come from, how did it start, it kind of falls apart. What do you think? Well, yeah, it does really kind of fall apart there, because when you dig into it, you're going to get to the truth behind it if there's truth to be had about what you're looking into. If there's nothing there, then why not just leave it be? It's not hurting anyone. Yeah, but is it is it really wise for us to continue stories? Like, we're living in an age now where fake news has caused some pretty serious ramifications. So I guess it comes down to discretion. You know, how are you going to... It's how you portray it is really what you're Right, if you portray there. it as fact or if you portray it as just fiction. That's, that's why it all comes back to it is just folklore or friend of a friend that said it to you. Or something of the sort that makes you think, evokes a feeling or a certain, you know, a certain feeling in you, like dread, fear, intrigue, whatever it is. It's how you take the story and how you let it affect you. That's the best part about urban legends. Yeah, how they affect us. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's the bedrock of our shared cultural history. It's made up of urban legends, stories, mysteries that we pass back and forth 
hoping somebody will have the answer. You know, I mean, I think that's something that can't be discounted. You know, I, I wanted to talk about, you know, Wayne has Momo from Missouri and I grew up in New Jersey. We have the <laughs> urban legend of the Jersey Devil, which is really absurd. And when you research the history of it, it's so highly stylized that you can just tell from the onset that it, it's not real. There's nothing in it to really latch your, your, your you know, grip onto and say, yes, there's something that happened here. You know, um, the story is that, you know, Widow Leeds, I think it was Widow, or just my uh, mother Leeds, sorry, and, you know, down in the Pine Barrens of South um, New Jersey, which are beautiful, huge ecosystem of lands that are built up. It's a nature, right now, not new, but it's um, not a nature preserve, but it's basically protected wetlands. And there's lots of marshes, lots of pine trees, very spooky. And she was having her 13th child, which <laughs> that alone just is terrifying that you could have 13 children, but plenty of women did. Um, and she was so sick and tired that she said, you know, curse this one to the devil or let it be a devil. And it was born a normal baby, but then it morphed into this hideous creature with leathery bat-like wings and then proceeded to kill the midwife and some other person in the room. And then it flew up the chimney and was gone. Wow. Already. That baby was like, yo, I'm out. <laughs> I'm everyone. out, mom. Like, it's like, I'm sick of this. Yo, but peace. No, seriously, though, you're like 13 children. 13 children. Yes, 13 children. And I want to know where the father was, because if anybody deserved to be gutted on the first moment of life, it should have been that 13th kid. Um, but I guess that story... Now, when that story emerged, I don't know, because it's all laced over with history, because I think it was in the uh, late 1900s or mid-1900s is when they spotted, um, it was it was like around the holidays, and somebody spotted something that had bat-like leathery wings, but the head of a horse and long legs, and it was bounding around the territory, and all these people saw it, and there were hoof prints in the snow, and so that's kind of the very cobbled together rough idea. But that's where the Jersey Devil concept comes from. And supposedly it haunts the woods now and it plagues people. And you'll talk to plenty of people who live down in the Pine Barrens who will tell you a story about seeing something in the woods, you know, um, that ran across the road. And I even had a cousin who years ago told me about driving through the Pine Barrens on Route 9 late at night, which if you've ever been there is, is scary. They're very dark. There's pine trees everywhere. There are not a lot of lights. And he saw what he thought were headlights, but he gradually realized it was a pair of eyes following him on the road. Now, I don't know <laughs> what he saw, but I don't believe in the Jersey Devil. Um, are there possible... You're terrible. I'm terrible, I know. But it's just absurd. There are other urban legends I can get behind, and that is not one of them. Why not? That's your home state's urban legend. Because... It's such a bizarre, like, the fact that the pieces they used to create, like, at least the Momo was consistent in its appearance. It's tall, it's shaggy, it's hairy, it looks like, a, it sounds like a Bigfoot. So if, if Bigfoot exists, or a cryptid, you know, exists that, you know, okay. we've... What? So why not a shape-shifting cryptid? Oh, shape-shifting. That's a whole but, kettle of magic right there. But 
well, think about it. If it's different, what if it does something to your mind that has you perceive it differently? But why, that's my whole point. Why would people pick those bizarre parts? Because the sand crane, which is what many historians and, um, you know, uh, other people believe is what was the Jersey Devil or is misidentified, is very tall, has big wings, has long legs. So it's much more feasible. The horse's head, I don't get. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is head? a shape-shifting monster. I don't know. Well, yeah, what if it is? But what if it can't human shape-shift? It can only shape-shift into creatures it's eaten or seen. Ew, that's gross. Well, it ate a horse and a bat? Was yeah, that where sure, the wings come from? Okay. All right, all right. I still don't believe in it. There's well, a lot of things I believe in that people might question, but that's I don't believe in the Jersey Devil. Oh my God! You're you are you are terrible. I know I'm a terrible New Jersey because right? <laughs> I don't believe in it. But you'll find most people don't believe in it. I I got okay. I'm going to tell you the story I do believe in is a little more valid, which is the Watcher. And for anyone who looks up urban legends, it used to be if you looked up New Jersey, always it would be the Jersey Devil would pop up first. But now, as of 2015. It's The Watcher. Ooh, what and, is The Watcher? Oh, okay. So this couple buys a house in Westfield, New Jersey, which if you don't know, Westfield's a very expensive little town um, in New Jersey, and it's very pretty. It's about 30 minutes from where I grew up. Very nice. Oh. What? The Watcher, The Watcher. Yeah, what did you think I was talking about? Oh, I thought so. My mind was somewhere else with that, so go okay. ahead. I like well, this. Bring it up. Break it on down. Break it down. Um, so, all right. So The Watcher, um, this family buys this million-dollar house, and as they're getting ready to move in, the husband and wife, I guess they brought their kids to look at the house, and they weren't in the house yet. They were simply just moving in, getting it ready while they were in their old house or apartment. And they started getting these letters. And the letters are creepy, disturbing. I think anyone who received these letters would be suitably frightened. Oh, sorry, hit my mic. I think I'm going to, let me see if I can look up um, one of the watcher's letters while we're talking so that you'll get an idea because they are very disturbing. And as they received these letters... <clears throat> excuse me, they found themselves getting more and more frightened that someone wanted them out of their new home before they were even in it. And this person dropped these letters. There was no postmark on them. There was no postage stamp, meaning it was had to be someone who was close enough that they could walk up and put it in the mailbox um, and not be seen, or at least... None of the neighbors claim to have seen them. And that's really an intriguing part of the story. Well, there we go. You're the new person. Is this the initiation, right? Yeah, well, maybe it was. So I'm just going to redo the first letter they got so you get an idea. Dearest new neighbor at blank, I'm not going to give you the address, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. This home has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for the, its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. 
It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls? Why are you here? I will find out. Okay, motherfucker. <laughs> if I'm getting a letter like that, I am not moving into this house. And that's pretty much what happened. The family kept getting more and more letters, more and more disturbing. Some At one point, the letter talked about their children being fresh blood for the house and told them not to go into the basement. It's it's so bizarre and off the wall that it, it literally feels like it should have come out of a movie or a book and not real life. So in the end, they kept getting these letters. They kept trying to find out what it was all about. And then they found out that the people who owned the house before them, who sold it to them, had gotten a similar letter and had not disclosed it to them. So as you can imagine, they were pretty pissed off. So... They wound up in just a, a little bit, just a little bit. So they wound up in a huge lawsuit against the former owners, and I think it was just settled last year. And I, I think they won part of it because when you sell a home, most states have specific laws that you have to disclose certain things. Now, where this fell in that purview, I, I'm not certain, but um, they could never determine who gave these letters. They investigated all these neighbors, they talked to everyone, but. As of right now, the house is sitting there, and they can't sell it. That's It's for sale, right? Yeah, it's Someone for sale. Someone should buy it. Someone should buy it and then just wait and, and see. set it on fire. I mean, that would be down. that would be wild, right? No, you get a whole bunch of people to buy the house and just have you know take turns like living there or moving in for a while to see if you get letters and what happens. It's got to be somebody who can leave watch your own it. Letter there. I'm watching you too. Did you see all the security cameras? Well, yeah, installed? like you should. They should have left a letter in their mailbox for the watcher, you know, and said something back. But I, I, you know, in the end, it's distressful to think that somebody could have that access to you. And they, they talked about the fact that... I know the one person who could have that kind of access to that house and not be noticed. Who? A mailman, a mail person. Yeah, but the person knew the layout of the house. That come, I'm not going to read all the letters because you can look them up online. Just put in the watcher, Westfield, New Jersey. That's and my thoughts. Okay. Cool. But the point is that whoever wrote the letters is intimate with the neighborhood, and it has to be someone that is felt safe unless they were going at like midnight and putting stuff in the mailbox. But I would imagine, I think they put up cameras. You couldn't get away with that shit these days. No. Someone always has a Somebody camera Somebody have somewhere. one of those ring cameras or all those crappy things, and they'd, you know, um, they'd be watching I would have just, you know, triggered, put something in the mailbox, like a dye pack that would have, but then you have to worry about the mailman. Unless you tell the post office what you're doing, but I don't know if you could do that. No. You can't, because you can't temper with the mailbox. But, yeah, that's, and now think about that now. It hasn't happened again. No one lives No, well, as far as I know, the letters stopped because no one's living there. I think the last letter they wrote said something about um, how they were glad that they the family wasn't going to move in, that they didn't... They, it was, like, really angry, like, you know, you, you, I'm glad you're not moving in, you don't deserve this house. But, like, who gets that obsessed about a house? Stupid What's a, people. Stupid people, seriously. It's just a house, people. Move on. No, but the best part of this, remember Unsolved Mysteries did it, and they received a letter. No, that wasn't this. That was another one. That's the... Uh, what's it called? The... Oh, you're going to Oh, that was crazy. the other one. Don't worry about it. No, no, it was the other one. But yeah, but that was a different series of events. That was about, pretty cool, too. Yeah. But here's the, the thing. There's two urban legends. 
Yeah, recent. I mean, this only happened in 2015, and it's yeah. as far as I know, the house they can't sell it because now it's known around the world as the Watcher's house. So no one will buy it because they don't want to mess with this person. Although they never did. I mean, it's creepy. It's disturbing. It would upset anyone. But they never did anything, which just shows you the power of suggestion. Yeah. Which is urban legends, right? Going back to it. Urban legends, the power of suggesting. It's usually about something distasteful. They can sometimes entertain. I mean, but seriously, urban legends, right? Think, Think about where you live now and where your state and that's made me want to investigate more into my own state and whatever legends we have running around them as well well if you're talking about state i would look into where we live now because there's a lot here i uh, just in looking online you can find a ton but it's worth exploring where you live what urban legends exist and what are the smaller urban legends that maybe don't get passed around as often, but come from a really weird story. Because when I looked at all the 50 states, there were ones that had really obvious titles. Like there's always a woman in white weeping on a bridge because she got her heart broken. There's always a mother looking for a lost child, which is a huge urban legend coming out of La Llorona, which is a, you know Spanish folklore. But... You know, there are so many elements to urban legends that can fascinate and intrigue you. Like, there are urban legends that are very specific to a culture, very specific to a region. You know, uh, America is this incredible mix of people from all over the world, and everybody's bringing their stories, their history. And, you know, if you're a great book on that, American Gods by Neil Gaiman. I love Gaiman. was not my favorite book, But it's a great book nonetheless. I just didn't enjoy it as much. So like Wayne's saying, like, look around, look at the urban legends that surround you and maybe ask those questions. Or maybe you find one of your own the next time you're with friends when the plague ends, (laughs) if it ever does. And, you know, tell that story. Because I said to Wayne earlier, wouldn't it be a cool experiment to start your own urban legend and see how many people you can get to believe it and pass it on? Yeah. But that's what the internet does for you anyways. Yeah, well, those are just viral crap. True. But, okay, folks, so there you have it, urban legends. How much is real? How much is what you make of it? Thanks again for joining us, and uh, we hope to hear from you soon. That's right. Send us an email. Tell me what you want to hear about, and we'll look into it. Talk soon.